Chapter Ten of The Haunted Hangar by Van Powell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Ten Larry's Capture. How did you ever guess the gem was in the gum? Dick stared admiringly at Sandy, exultantly at the green light flashing from that hidden emerald as Sandy scraped aside the clinging substance from it. First the gum was in the amphibian, Sandy said, trying to be as modest as the discovery would let him. Then it was gone. We thought we saw somebody in the hangar when first we went in, but he got away somehow. Then we saw the amphibian flying, and it flashed over me that whoever we had seen before had been working on the amphibian and had chewed up all those pieces of gum, but I didn't see why he had left it there then when we found out that the man calling himself everdale didn't look for or miss the gum i guessed that he hadn't been the gum chewer but who had then i wondered and why it must have been for some reason because if he had found the gum when he came to play ghost keep everybody away from the estate by scaring them and get the amphibian ready he'd have thrown any gum he'd found into the waste can the gum was there for some reason, agreed Dick. This is one time when being suspicious has paid, he added. Yes, Sandy admitted. When the life preserver was found and no gems were in the oilskin tied to it and Dick showed me the gum, the reason for the big chunks of old gum came to me. The passenger had been getting it ready. He had to chew a great lot to get enough. We mustn't waste any more time, cried Larry eagerly there are twenty-nine more chunks in the seaplane let's fly there jeff and get it that there's good sense jeff started toward the flying field the fellow we didn't find might come back for the emeralds going with them to help out dick told larry that he proposed to go at once to the various airports and flying fields to learn if he could who had engaged the seaplane the new floyd bennett field is the best chance argued jeff they have got water and seaplane facilities there it's on barren island and that's where a man could have gone and about the time between your seeing the spook and the time the seaplane got where the yacht was i'll wait for the yacht sandy said accompanying them mrs everdale will be glad to see what i discovered that gave each of the members of the sky patrol something to do dick had no difficulty in learning when he got the executives of bennett field interested that the seaplane was an old one belonging to a commercial flying firm operating from the airport the pilot who handled the control job the field manager told him was a stunt man who has been hanging around since he stunted on our opening day i've questioned some of the pilots for you but no one seems to know who the pilot had with him a stranger one says that brought dick's quest to a dead stop sandy had even less success although in the short time since his disappearance the supposed impersonator of mr everdale could not have gone far he was not to be discovered by any search sandy could make farmhouses had no new boarders the house on the estate searched with youthful vim and alert thoroughness revealed no observable hiding places sandy finally gave up the arrival anchoring and debarkation of its people by the yacht 
allowed him to meet and to reassure mrs everdale and captain parks besides these two he met the almost hysterical french maid mimi also mrs everdale's companion and cousin who had travelled with her a quiet competent nurse and attendant whose lack of funds compelled her to serve as a sort of trained nurse for the millionaire's wife who was of a very nervous sickly type in spite of everybody's relief when sandy displayed the emerald the elderly trained nurse and companion insisted that mrs everdale must retire rest and recover from her recent exciting experience sandy left alone searched the hangar for an unseen exit but found none landing the amphibian at almost the same spot they had set down before jeff looked around for the rubber boat they had left tied to a sunken snag i guess sandy's ideas were right after all decided larry as he saw that the small water conveyance was not there sandy had claimed that if the missing seaplane passenger had hidden during the recent search of the seaplane the boat would aid him to escape from the otherwise water and swamp bound place if the rubber boat's gone jeff commented the twenty-nine other emeralds of the thirty on the necklace they're gone too i'll have to swim over again and see larry stripped and made the short water journey you're still here he shouted across the channel jeff who had kept his engine idling decided to risk a closer approach in the amphibian whose lower wingspan barely cleared the tops of grass clumps i guess there aren't any snags to rip the pontoons larry assured him to get closer would save larry many trips to and fro in the water fine larry commented as the amphibian moving cautiously came close enough for him to catch a rope and put a loop around the closest truss of the submerged seaplane thus he was able to pass the chunks of gum to jeff who had his clothes on and pockets for storage while the transfer was being made the amphibian's engine died with unexpected suddenness golly gracious larry exclaimed i'll bet she's out of gas can't tell by the gauge ruefully jeff upbraided his stupidity in forgetting to see if they had to gas up before the take-off from the estate now what's to do he wondered larry too saw a number of difficulties perhaps more than did jeff because from larry's point of view due to sandy's suspicion of the superstitious pilot jeff must not go free with the gems in his pockets nor did larry dare be the one to go if he did jeff might be playing a trick let him get beyond chance of return in time use some reserve gas and fly away i can't swim jeff began considering the ways of escape to some place where they could secure a supply boat of fuel i wouldn't chance swimming all the way down the swamps to the nearest village on shore larry said quietly this here is a fix that is a fix morosely jeff summed up the situation here we are with a pocket full of emeralds and no gas and no way to get any and if anybody knows the gems are in this gum we'd be helpless if they wanted to take them larry did not answer he was mentally going over the seemingly unbreakable deadlock one thing that kept coming into his mind was the strange fact that if the disappearing passenger of the seaplane had taken the rubber boat he had 
not also taken the hidden jewels he must have known something about them or guessed he reflected if they were put in the gum while they were flying unless it was done while they were in the fog but even then he knew all that excitement meant something i don't understand it he didn't know because he must have hired the pilot and the seaplane to get the emeralds still in that case he mused if the man had known where the gems were why hadn't he inflated the rubber boat and taken them all in the first escape a possible solution came to him saying nothing to jeff he bent his whole power of thinking on the more important discovery of a way to get fuel climbing on to the amphibian and dressing he considered that matter without arriving at any workable solution his eyes rested for a moment on the upthrust wing of the submerged seaplane his face changed expression an idea flashed across his mind jeff he cried do you suppose we could make a gas line from the brass tubing on the seaplane what for see that wing he pointed it sticks up and is higher than our own tank and if there's a wing tank and i think a seaplane would have them why didn't i think of that grinned jeff i wouldn't be surprised if that there is right he carefully climbed out onto the amphibian's lower wing till he could grip a guy wire on the seaplane by agility and a good deal of scuffling with some damage to the doped fabric of the seaplane got into the partly sunken pilot's seat and from that climbing up sent a quick glance over the cockpit tracing the fuel lines right as can be he called now if i can find a wrench and get loose some brass tubing can i help jeff bent down in the pilot's seat lifted his head shaking it stay where you are he called two might push the crate down into the mud too fast for safety she's half a foot deeper in than when we were here before i'll manage shutting off the governing valve jeff began unscrewing the pipelines rejoining lengths of piping until with a section from the carburetor to give the needed length he passed over a makeshift path for the wing tank gas to flow by gravity into their own craft already called larry bending the end of the line so its flow went into the central tank of the amphibian. Jeff opened the gas valve under the wing tank. Here she comes. Larry was exultant. We'll get enough to hop down the shore to a fuel supply anyhow, Jeff said. The gauges were out of commission, and they had to figure the amount they secured from the size of the pipe and time that the gas flowed. I guess that's all, about seven gallons said jeff as the last drops fell into their tank larry threw aside the useless pipe sent home the tank cap and dropped down into the after seat to be sure the ignition was off before jeff swung the propeller sturdily to suck the gas into the cylinders so intent had they been on the business of the gas transfer that as jeff swung the prop both were taken by surprise when a curt voice came from close under the amphibian's tail assembly put your hands up both of you quick a man coming silently from some concealment in a dory undetected in their busy absorption held something menacingly businesslike and sending sun glints from its blue steel its hollow nose covered both at the range he had up went larry's hands jeff 
also elevated his own now remarked the stranger pulling the dory around without losing his advantage both turn your backs and clasp your hands behind you wait said larry suddenly earnestly i'll give you the jewels without making any trouble if you let me put my hand in my pocket i'll throw the emeralds down to you the man stared amazed either incredulous or not quite understanding larry had no emeralds and was well aware of it jeff still made his pockets bulge with the packed chunks of gum but larry had seen a chance that they might turn to their own advantage if once the man's eyes could be diverted from jeff just before he had clambered onto the forward bracing to spin the amphibian's propeller jeff had laid down the sturdy wrench he had used for bending the pipes evidently he meant to transfer it to his own tool kit but had wished to start the amphibian's engine first the wrench within his reach could be used as a weapon larry had caught jeff's flash of the eyes toward it as his hands had been elevated from jeff's expression larry saw out of the corner of his eye that the older pilot caught the younger comrade's purpose all right the man had recovered his surprised wits and was closely watching larry which pocket this one larry carefully keeping fingers spread wide tapped one side of his coat throw the package or whatever it is jeff's hand was quietly coming down it's stuck larry began to tug with his hand in his inside pocket where he pretended the jewels were now monkey shines warned the stranger watching closely jeff's hand flashed down the wrench with a twisting underhand fling spun through the air jeff dropped into the cockpit the wrench struck hitting the man's arm and deflecting the muzzle of his weapon as it exploded but he did not drop it in that split minute of time larry was on the cockpit seat and plunged in a swift slantwise leap down upon the man in the dory his unexpected assault was executed so rapidly that the man had not time to recover from the surprise and get his weapon trained before larry was on him sending him sprawling backward oh my shoulder the man cried out in sudden anguish larry startled seeing the pain in the face just under his own relaxed for an instant only being sure that his quick grip on the wrist holding the weapon in its hand was not released oh the man groaned and dropping his weapon he began to nurse his shoulder larry suspected some trick but there was none the man tamely surrendered as he nursed his painful muscles a sudden misgiving came over larry the man he recalled in pulling with his arm had winced before he got the dory where he wanted it his cry his subsequent favoring of his shoulder told larry the truth you're the man who was in the amphibian when mr everdell flew it he said how did you get here with your injured shoulder tide brought me through a channel i felt better saw a spare dory and watched some debris on the water and reckoned the tide would get me to where i could see where the amphibian set down i saw it hop off the beach saw it disappear heard it and saw it coming back and was curious but how did you know about mr everdell and who was in the seaplane and in the other crate i saw here comes the tug and floating crane to salvage the seaplane said jeff you'll have to stay in the tug deck-house till we get the straight of this and for holding a gun on us 
you can explain to the police maybe as for us we don't need to explain and as later he and larry resumed their places in the amphibian larry's captive remained under guard on the tug End of chapter 10